Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. While the podcast is called the Unnamed Automotive Podcast, we did give you two names within the first 30 seconds of it starting, right? Bonus names for the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. What more could you ask for? And I think we're about to do a couple more name drops because I want Ben to tell the listener, that's you, where you can find his work. Ben, go for it. You can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, TechSpot, um, and the Toronto Star. Ben, we've got some cars to talk about today and a big old truck. And that's where you come in, right? Yeah, so I I had an unusual experience with the vehicle that I drove most recently. It was, Sammy, sometimes a car company makes a puzzling decision and then makes a puzzling second decision to kind of cover or make up for that first decision. The good old uh, cover-up decision, of course. Yeah, it's like, you know, we used to sell two vehicles, but now we're going to sell one vehicle that's going to do the job of both of those vehicles. And Mm. that's always a risky tightrope to walk, I think. Yeah, I think think I've... uh... I think I've seen or heard that happen in bef- happen before in this industry, but I'm having a difficult time envisioning it right now. What are you talking about in particular that's, that's got you puzz- so puzzled? So I'm talking about the 2022 Lexus LX600, which is the redesign of Lexus's largest three-row sport utility vehicle. But it also happens to be a kind of direct replacement for the Toyota Land Cruiser, which is no longer being sold in North America. This is one of the most difficult things for me to re- like reconcile. I think the Land Cruiser is such an epic vehicle um, and has a really important history. And the fact that the Land Cruiser name just doesn't exist anymore, and even like the related name, like the FJ Cruisers, don't happen anymore, that kind of bums me out. But I do know that a lot of people find the same thing that they would have gotten in the Land Cruiser in, say, a 4Runner. And those who would be wanting something a little bit more luxurious and spacious would end up going to this le- – would end up spending – Lexus money, right? Well, and that's you, where the LX comes in, right? You kind of had to spend Lexus money if you wanted a Land Cruiser. If I remember correctly, the last generation Land Cruiser cost more than what the base Lexus LX costs in 2022. That's um, a problem. Which, yeah, yeah, we're talking about a, a Toyota that starts in the mid-80s for, for uh, an MSRP. So the, the, the LX right now is also a mid-80s vehicle, I believe. I can't remember with destination if it, if it gets closer to 90, but it goes up to about 120000 And the reason okay. for that, that price stretch is because it's trying to do a lot of different things. Now, I want to go back to what you said about the Land Cruiser not being available anymore and kind of like missing out on that heritage link. It mm-hmm. was not a popular vehicle in terms of sales. I think... Five or six thousand a year, and in Canada it wasn't sold at all. Even right. though two or three hundred a year actually were registered in Canada <laughs> over the I last decade, I think it was a special order thing. Like they just didn't have them in the showrooms or anything like that. Well, they it's didn't not on the website or any, either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they told people they sold them, but if you asked for one, they'd get it to you. It's like the it's like the the secret menu at like In and Out, I guess. You exactly. Just, I think <laughs> that's exactly what it was. But you're in the secret menu here. You end up spend you end up spending more money than Alexis. Yeah, so. it's like a six figure <laughs> six figure yeah. Canadian dollar price. So so. Back to what I was saying about this like big price spread that the LX has now. So there's a weird base model for the LX that comes with 18-inch wheels, no third row, and nice. okay, this I'm, this sounds good to me already. First of all, 
What's, what about wheels, that sounds 18, good to you? Eighteen-inch wheels feels like they're going to be really comfortable, like lots of sidewalls. Well, it definitely so, sounds like an, an off-road friendly tire, right? But what, what's yeah. what's good about having no third row? Like that third row is always compromised anyway in all these vehicles, aren't okay. they? But if if you're trying to replace the Land Cruiser, right? Right. Wouldn't you want your, which is what the space model is trying to do with with the kind of the off-road friendly thing? Yeah. Um, wouldn't you want it to be at least have more seating than a Forerunner <laughs> or a GX? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a smart place to start. So that's a puzzling. That's that's the first of several puzzling decisions. The other puzzling decision is there's a there's a center torsion locking differential on every single LX that's out there. Excellent. Right? But what's the problem? If you get the F Sport model, oh. it comes with a lock a, a a limited slip rear as well. The base model, which is ostensibly the off-road base trying to get people from the Land Cruiser crowd to like it, doesn't have that feature. Doesn't have the locking diff. No, it's uh, only on the F Sport. It's a, it's a first of all, is it a limited slip diff or a locking diff? I believe it's a well, it's a torsion limited slip. The center diff okay. is locking. Uh it locks 50-50. Uh. The um the, None the, of that sounds like super off-roady anyway. No. But well, that the, sounds broken too. The F-Sport, well, no, it's it's pretty decent. But the F-Sport that I drove came on 22s, I believe. So uh, that's not going anywhere. Well, already we're confused in terms of features and equipment. Now, <laughs> it also gets weird at the top top end too. There's something, I believe it's called the, the top ul- top? The yeah. tippy top? There's something called the ultimate luxury version of the LX. Now this one well, also. What are all the other ones called? Uh, the, it's, it's, it, they're not quite as good. But uh, this Pretty one. good luxury, okay luxury, almost their luxury and ultimate luxury. This one also doesn't come with a third row. <laughs> Okay, so that now they've made a connection between the base model and the top yeah, trim level. Yeah, that's the continuity. <laughs> yeah. But it gets better. It actually only seats four people. Oh, no. It has, like, the whole giant captain's chairs and console thing in the second row. So so they're, they're suggesting that what was originally designed to be an off-road vehicle is going to end up being a limo? Well, I think what they're <laughs> suggesting is that their third row of seating is not very good. Yeah. And I would okay. tend to agree with that. I want to – there's a lot to talk about the LX. I realize <laughs> we, we got to start. You started – you started – like you came in hot and it hasn't slowed down. I'm worried about the listener on this. So <laughs> historically, both the Land Cruiser and the LX have had the worst third rows in the industry because they weren't like real third row seats. No. They were these weird fold down from the center – or fold down from the side of the truck seats, right? Mm-hmm. And they like jump seats. They of. did. Did they face each other? I can't remember. I don't think so. It was just like instead of folding into the floor or onto the floor, even um, you had to kind of tip them down from the sides. This is a problematic because it really killed your cargo space. I mean, these seats were just there. Um, Excuse me. Imagine if you had like two giant spare tires in the cargo area. That's yeah. kind of exactly what these seats were. So so, so now yeah. now they're like, okay, we're going to join. We get you. We get all the critics. The critics were right. We, our third row sucks. And instead of making a better third row. They just took <laughs> a small, ultra tiny, like really flat wedge of seats. Yeah. Stuck it onto the cargo floor. And then made you flip and tumble forward the second row to get to the third row. It doesn't slide. It actually lifts out and tumbles all the way forward. Are those, is that operation automatic, like powered or manual? No, it's manual? not powered. Are you kidding? Oh, come on. The really? third row seats are powered, but the second row tumble. <laughs> That's so dumb. The second row tumble is one of those ones where like it relies on the inertia of a spring kind of to like. Yeah, and it like goes flying. Like Yeah, it goes flying into the, into the first row of seat backs. Yeah. Like. 
So there's that. And then when you get back there, it's a torture chamber. Like I'm five seven and my head touches the ceiling. Mention your area. mention your large torso. I have a long torso, not a long large torso. torso. Sorry, Thank you. I'm me. a little sensitive about You the have word, been working out, I know. The that. word large. <laughs> Barrel chested, I guess, is acceptable. Yeah. But uh in any case, it's it's not a great scene. So they've kind of it's it's weird because <laughs> As I suggested, the absence of the third row from the the cheapest and most expensive version of this vehicle suggests they're aware that it's garbage. Or garbage is a harsh word. Garbage. <laughs> suggests they're aware that it is not appropriate for anything other than small children. And you know what? Normally, I would be okay with that because third rows are generally not great. But um, if it's a full-size SUV riding on a full-frame platform, that's the, that's the third row that you expect – to be good, right? Like, that's... why wouldn't it, right? Like, it, it is. Am I wrong here? Is the same platform as the Tundra? It's the same. It's the TNGA dash F platform, which is the same as the Tundra. Sorry, the TNGA platform. And the same as F. the Land Cruiser that's still being sold everywhere else. I'm telling you, when you travel to the Middle East or to Africa, you see these Land Cruisers everywhere, and they look great. I love them. I can't get enough of them. So for for them to be like, uh, decont not I don't know about decontented, but like mission shift. <laughs> on what they are. You know well, what I mean? Like I don't know if it's so much mission shift as it is mission mishmash. Like and, yeah. and I'm about to get to that. Because there's there's something else about the uh the LX that me it's the reason why that third row is so uninhabitable is because back in nineteen ninety-eight, Toyota Wow, came we're up, really going way yeah. back there. Okay. Set, set your set your way back dials. Toyota came up with this thing called the Golden Ratio. That's a real thing that Toyota, the Toyota came up with. <laughs> no, they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Golden Ratio was a, a ratio of, of track width, wheelbase, ride height, and overall length of the vehicle. All these measurements of the vehicle that kind of um, they thought were ideal for going off-road in a large vehicle that was, you know, big enough to transport a family, but not so big that it would get caught on the trail all the time. And that was roughly the same size as the Land Cruiser in 1998. And ever since then, they've kept that ratio the same for their large, full-size SUVs. Cool. Okay. It's, it's that... cool. Well, I mean, it's it's cool, I guess, except we're almost 30 years later, I guess, 25 years yeah. later. We have a LX that hasn't changed in size. The wheelbase is identical to the model it replaces. So inside, it's just not competitive with any other full-size luxury vehicle on the market. And and I've already talked about the third row, but the second row is not great. It has really, really upright seatbacks. You can tilt them backwards, but the original position that they're in is not comfortable for anyone. And then you start to look at... at, legroom i think the escalate has something like six or seven more inches of legroom in the second row this is the second row of a full-size full-frame suv sammy who on earth is gonna be sitting back there that doesn't make any sense now can i go can can we go back and talk about this golden ratio this um could you you handle it yeah i need i need this moment i need this for a moment because i have concerns um when we talk about like legacy and and you know toyota thinks that they've come across this engineering, you know, like solution for their off-road vehicles with this golden ratio. And they want to stick to this golden ratio for as many years as they can. It reminds me a lot of like the Mercedes G-Class. This is a, a a vehicle that has a design that is cemented back when it first came out. And they're like, this is the way it was, this is the way it's going to be, and we're not going to deviate from this. Why is it okay for Mercedes to do it like that and stick with its 
age-old solution, and Toyota were kind of giving them a, a rough time about this. Well, I would I would start with the fact that the G-Class is not a um, three-row vehicle. Right. But if you do look at the G-Class and look at how it was redesigned recently, the the, the, previ- the, the, the G-Class that you're referring to, the one that stayed the same for a long time, had yep. horrendous interior space <laughs> yeah, for yeah. its size. Like, it yeah. was surprisingly compact inside. Um, and that is something they really fixed with the new version. So I think okay. Mercedes-Benz really did look back on that and say, okay. you know what, we need to be more competitive. And then they did that. So this is Lexus's chance to do that because this is a, this is a brand new platform. It's not like but they, they didn't, but they didn't. Do yeah. That. It's not like they took the old LX platform, carried it over. And that's why the wheelbase is the same. They took a new platform that could be a lot larger. We've seen how big the Tundra is. And yet they were like, no, we're going to shrink it to this arbitrary number that makes it not class competitive in terms of interior space. And this is where I was going with the whole mission mishmash thing. Lexus doesn't understand whether this is a hardcore off-road vehicle or whether it is a full-on luxury vehicle. And as a result, it's trying to do both of those things and it's doing them poorly at the same time. Ah, that's a problem. Now, the question I had was, you've been in the the new Tundra. Yes. And... I don't think you remember. I don't think I remember you des- describing second seat space as kind of being limiting or anything no, like huge. that. No, it's huge. It's it's they're not related. I mean, this is it's the same platform. That's so but the, weird. It's weird in the sense that Toyota's making compromises for a customer that doesn't exist. It's right. It, there's there's a bunch of strange things about the LX. First of all. Do you really want to be – how many of those Land Cruiser customers are going to be coming over to to LX after the no. Land Cruiser disappears? There were no. only like 5,000 of them to begin with, right? These guys are going to Defender, whatever that large yeah. Defender is. Defender or or maybe they're going to even Range Rover Sport or something like that. Yeah, if they've got that – yeah, if they've got the capital for sure. Or maybe they're going to Bronco now. I mean there's so many different choices in this segment. So Is the Armada still available for some reason? The Armada is available, but I don't know if I'd really consider it a hard hardcore off-roader at this okay. stage in its life but um but back- i mean i only wanted to bring those up because everything else we just mentioned is is kind of known as being a little unreliable in comparison to the to land cruiser in fact that land cruiser owner or buyer their land cruiser is probably still existing from 1998 yeah i mean it's probably very rusty but <laughs> true but um the the thing with that that lexus has run into though is that really the money is to be made in building a luxurious full-size SUV, right? Like BMW mm-hmm. has done great things with the X7. Cadillac prints money with the Escalade. The Lincoln mm-hmm. Navigator is profitable again. It's a very, very good vehicle. All of these things, even look at the Jeep Grand Wagoneer. This right. is something that it's not trail rated like almost every other Jeep is, but it does have, a, a, it has somewhat of an off-road capability, but really it's focused on being super luxurious and comfortable inside. And they have a, a base Wagoneer, AKA the Land Cruiser equivalent, for for people who are more into that, I guess. So Lexus took a look at all of that and decided, nah, that's not for us. We're going to keep our off-road friendly proportions, but we're going to add a really huge plunging grill at the front that's going to get caught on everything. A really yeah. long overhang at the back that will also get caught on everything. And unmovable uh, side steps that will get caught on rocks and stuff and get smashed up. So... And then while the competitors are improving their interior and interior space and comfort inside the cabin, we're not going to do anything about it. No, we're going to make like a pretty average Lexus interior that's not great, but it's not bad. Um, and that's too bad. It's going to be really tight. 
And we're not gonna we're gonna give you some stuff like uh, off road cruise control and low that low speed cruise control feature they have, but we're not mm-hmm. gonna really do anything about hardcore off roading like you know say Land Rover does. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no there's no trick things like we were just talking about the transparent hood that you had last week in the in yep. the new Range Rover stuff like that. You won't find that here. What you will find there's two parts of the Land Cru- of Land Cruiser the LX that are really big improvements that I do want to touch on. Okay, let's get to it. Okay, three and a half liter. Twin turbo V6 has replaced the V8 from last year. Um, oh, great! So we've got—is this more fuel efficient? Is it more powerful? It what is, is this? considerably more fuel efficient, and okay. it is also more powerful. I believe it's 409 horsepower or something. I'm trying to find the number. Okay, compared um, to the V8, yeah. Yeah, and if you if you combine that with the fact that the vehicle is also about 400 pounds lighter. Wow! Um, really? Yes. Uh, that's an, that's a surprise to me. Am I the only one who's surprised that? They would make a luxury product lighter than the outgoing one? Well, remember, it's no bigger. It is no bigger, okay. So you you start to throw in the more modern materials that are in this platform, and it kind of cancels out the weight that you'd think would be added. So it's 409 horsepower, 479 pound-feet of torque. That torque comes on at 2,000 RPM, which is pretty decent if you're off-roading. It has a 10-speed automatic transmission that I like a lot, and Mm -hmm. I think it's like 5 or 6 miles per gallon better in combined driving than the V8 it replaces. I liked this engine a lot in the Tundra. It's pretty good in the LX as well. It's not exciting, but it's <laughs> decently powerful. Um, the 10-speed is smooth, and it's, it's it's a comfortable ride. So that, that I think, is a step up over the previous Land Cruiser. The other thing that's much better is the infotainment system. Uh, it gets rid of the, like the NX that came before it, it gets rid of the terrible little mouse pad thing that everybody hates, and okay. in its place it is a dual screen setup where you have like a kind of a traditional touchscreen at the top. And then underneath there's kind of, I would describe it as like a secondary information screen where it'll show you like drive mode or climate control and stuff. It's interesting because it's paired with a lot of hard buttons and dials, but okay. but you can also do stuff on that screen as well if you want to. So it's a bit of a hybrid setup. It works pretty well. The, That's interesting. The uh, the only complaints I have is on the... So some people have complained, um, colleagues of mine have complained that it's very wide and far away from the driver. If you want to reach like to the far right of the screen, it's tough to do from the driver's position. But the thing that got me is there's... So we're always complaining about how there's no buttons, right? right. So the LX has these buttons. It has a volume control at the top left. Then underneath that, a much larger ignition button that is on <laughs> the infotainment screen panel. Okay. And then underneath that, almost in a direct line, is a giant drive mode controller. So you have these three like semi-identical buttons in a plane, but one of them is really important. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I turned off the volume on the radio trying to shut the vehicle down. It is, it's kind of annoying. I assume maybe you will get used to it with time, but it's like, it didn't need to be there. There's plenty of space on the dashboard for it. Like I'm actually looking at a picture of it now and like just below it on the dash, there's all sorts of room for the starter button. Anyway, it's... That's really interesting to me because... Uh, for a long time, Lexus has been kind of like the punching bag when it came to infotainment design and ergonomics. And for you to to call out that infotainment system, that two-screen setup, as being a highlight for you, that speaks pretty highly of what it might be. Well, I mean, absolutely anything would be a highlight after the yeah. previous, like, honestly, borderline dangerous-to-use-while-driving system that Lexus insisted on putting in all of its vehicles. The one aspect of the Lexus LC that prevents it from being a perfect automobile is that mm-hmm. infotainment system. So that tells you how, how strongly I disliked it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay, so we talked about the price, we talked about the powertrain, the interior of the cabin. You're not impressed with the interior of this vehicle in terms it's of fine. Which, it's that's fine. A, that's bo- that bothers me a lot because I think you and I and, and many other critics, I don't want to just say that um, we're biased here, but the LS, the sedan, and the LC coupe have beautiful interiors. Why wouldn't the LX have this? It's, you know, I had like a two-tone in mine. It was the F-Sport. And it looked fine. It looks nice. But there's nothing about it that really blows me away. I don't look at the materials and go, wow. I don't look at the design and go, wow. It's, it's just, it's functional. I can use, I mean, it's functional if you're in the front seats. Um, yeah. I, I can use it. It it doesn't, there's nothing about this that were, were I to open the door to the cabin, would it like compel me to choose it over, say, a Land Rover or, mm-hmm. I, you know, even if you look at Cadillac in the Escalade or Lincoln in the Navigator, yep. Grand Wagoneer as well. Uh, these are three vehicles I've already mentioned today on the on the show. But the Grand Wagoneer especially is really, really nice inside on the high trims. Maybe if I was in the ultimate luxury or whatever uh, the actual name is, ultra luxury, ultimate luxury, I would feel yeah. differently. But yeah. the F-Sport is still a six-figure vehicle. I should be impressed. And I wasn't impressed. I was just, I was just placated. Okay. Um, so then you've got this um, weird – it feels like it's trying to do a couple of things at once, and it's failing at both of them. As a result, you know, a shopper can be – can lean two ways. They can want a more luxurious product or they can um, – and a more comfortable or family-friendly product, or they can want an off-road product. Where do you think they should go instead of looking at the LX? Uh, if they want like, – like for each of those categories? Yeah. So I would say – I mean I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said Defender – um as a good... there's a big now there's a big there's a big defender now like it's called the 180 or something is there i don't know i, I only know about the 110 but even the okay. 110 i think is you're not there's no third row in that vehicle from what i remember um that's where this new this bigger one comes in okay i yeah. mean that's that's roughly your land cruiser equivalent i don't think it's as luxurious as the lx in in mm-hmm. many ways a little bit more utilitarian um going big off-road and luxurious you're kind of locked into range rover world yeah, is not much else you can go for for a three row thing, and that that gets expensive very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going for luxury, I would say conservatively anywhere else. Anywhere um, else. Yeah, I I think that if you wherever your wherever your budget gets you, if you if you want a big three row luxury vehicle that's not compromised and you don't intend on going off road, I think you're better served by almost every other choice than the LX because those compromises that are here for an activity you're never going to partake in are really going to limit your enjoyment and utility of this vehicle. And the other thing I forgot to mention about that third row, when it's up, when 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 all three rows are occupied, there is zero cargo space. Yeah. I mean, like, you could probably stand, and I did stand a backpack up vertically between the tailgate and the seat back, but that's it. Like, that's it. you might be able to put some groceries in if you didn't buy too many groceries. That's wow. kind of wild for a vehicle this size. Hmm. That's I'm, not very good. That's yeah. not very promising. Um in terms of the 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 vehicles that run away in these in this large SUV class, I'm talking Escalade and X7, I think, and maybe this new Range Rover as sort of the the top vehicles here. Yeah, those are those are all three vehicles. I haven't driven the new Range Rover, but I've liked the previous version. Yeah, and each of them do something a little bit um, better than this. Lexus does in in one way or another. I mean, there's one other thing I want to talk about, and that's this vehicles in this class feel increasingly clunky to me when I drive them in the real world. Um, Do you mean like not agile, like not? I mean, like like they're not drive. They're not a good fit for most environments. If you're if you're cruising down the highway 
then fine. But if you're in town, these but you're are... sharing space with a school bus, essentially, right? Like yeah. it's huge. They're very big. They're difficult to maneuver. Um, they don't handle all that well. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not saying they're dangerous or anything like that, but I'm, I'm just saying that like compared to a, a more modestly proportioned vehicle, <laughs> it, it, it's odd that these automobiles are so popular uh, because I think they're really, I don't know. It's, it's very hard to articulate this. If you want to tell, no, I think I get it. Like it, it's, it's interesting because I think sometimes we used to have an enjoyment with these vehicles. And I think when they get to a certain size, it stops feeling enjoyable and it feels a little bit more like a chore because yeah, it's more of a frustration because of all the, all the things that go with it. You know, yeah. um, the Lexus really does not handle very well. It, it's very floaty. Uh, it, it has like a comfort mode that's very floaty. And then it has like a sport plus kind of mode where it's, it's kind of uncomfortable. And uh, even over speed bumps, you know, you're going to be porpoising and stuff. It, it's just, it's an unusual experience um, overall to be driving this automobile. You're very disconnected from the world that's around you. I feel like there are better there are better options out there for the money and yeah. maybe they're not three row SUVs <laughs> so or maybe they're not body on frame three row SUVs either. I mean, I think the X7 manages to handle very well mm-hmm. for its size. I think the Escalade does what it can with a with a um a body but no, on the frame. The whole point of the Escalade is to be large and like unavoidable. Like isn't yeah. that the like you can't you're you're not supposed to miss an SU the Escalade yeah, you're and it not, drives like that. You're not gonna miss the LX either, although it is smaller than most of its competitors. So mm-hmm. again, it's like you're not really getting the shock and awe, but you're getting all of the downsides that that come with that type of uh mentality from a design perspective. Hmm. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about with these uh with these cars? I mean we 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 have been talking about high end luxury SUVs a couple of times in a row here. Um you've driven quite a few of them. I was just, you know, I, I, I do enjoy this conversation about the, the the larger scheme of things here. I I kind of feel like maybe we're entering an era. I like to say we're entering an era where these vehicles are less relevant. I know they don't sell in huge numbers. I mean, uh, the the LX is an outlier. It's it's never been hugely popular, as and we talked about the Land Cruiser before. But even stuff like Escalade and um, X7. I mean, these are also modest performers from a volume perspective. They make a lot of money because there's huge profit margins on them. So that's why car companies like them. But they're not you're not going to see them everywhere, you know? So it is a specific clientele that wants these vehicles. And then the other idea is like, does Toyota and Lexus know how to make SUVs anymore? Like (laughs) the GX is a weird one too, right? Yeah. The GX is not to my tastes. And who is it for? Right. And in comparison to this and forerunner is so dated, but as we've mentioned earlier on the show, it sells in huge numbers every year. Uh, so there's no compelling reason for Toyota to do anything about upgrading it. So that's why it still has, you know, a five-speed automatic transmission and an interior that is in some ways very Fisher-Price. I think a lot of people feel that the Toyota of yesteryear with these vehicles made something good and is now, like, resting on its laurels or or just relying on its reputation to carry it forward. Are those vehicles even still good anymore? I like would the s- Forerunner and the GX? I don't think the forerunner is a very good vehicle um and it still and it still sells very well unless you just want to do off-road with it and that's your primary focus in which case i i can understand it but uh it's you know it's not competitive in its class i think you could say yeah okay sorry i don't mean to to drag on that conversation i hope you you didn't get tired of talking i checked out like three and a half minutes ago 
Now, the car I'm going to talk about is a plug-in hybrid, so I'm sure a lot of our listeners will check out already right here. It is the Volvo S90. It's called the T8 uh, Recharge. T8 Recharge. It, it, they call it an extended, extended range electric vehicle, which is uh, their fancy way of saying that it's got both a big old battery and some gas components as well. For 2022 and the 2023 model that I drove, it got a um, an upgrade over the 2021 model, which is pretty important to talk about. So why don't we just talk about this in, in particular? It got a very good upgrade. What happened here is they added a larger battery to the vehicle. Now it is um, 18 kilowatt hours and a larger motor as well. If I remember correctly, there's a larger rear motor in this vehicle. It's an all-wheel drive. There's two electric motors, one in the front and one in the back. And the rear motor in the back is, is more powerful. Additionally, you might remember that Volvos back in the day when the S90 came out had this twin-charged engine, this really neat uh, turbocharged and supercharged uh, four-cylinder engine. That is out the window for this model. Now it's just nitrous, it's just, right? It's just pure nitrous. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's, yeah, it's, it's just uh, pure power. Two That's bottles, two of the big ones. Um, now it's just a turbocharged four-cylinder and combined, the car gets, I believe, 455 horsepower and 523 pound-feet of torque. Which wow, is that's an a increase, lot. Which is an increase from the old one, which made just 400 horsepower. Um, I'm, I, I'm, and I'm not sure how much torque. I'll have now, to now Sammy, tell me how long it takes to charge this battery. It takes way too long to charge this battery. Like, <laughs> this way too long. Sammy complained about this car for a full five days. Every yeah. time he had it plugged in, he was baffled once again by how long it was taking to charge the battery, especially considering that it's not a pure EV. It is just a quote-unquote plug-in hybrid. And the big issue here is, um, I'm going to have to get my numbers correct, but the the charge speed, the onboard charger, I think is 3.7 um, kilowatts, which is really, really slow. Um, and... and there's a lot of public chargers out there, level two chargers out there that get up to, um, I think there's a lot that are six or seven kilowatts and some that get up to 11 or 12. I think six or seven is the bare minimum right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. So why so... would Volvo do this? I mean, are they are they purposely trying to keep like plug-in hybrids away from chargers that pure EVs need to use? Is this like a strange marketing strategy that Volvo has going on? I'm I'm... I don't know. And it, and I think it also reduces the confidence in the full EVs, right? Like, you want to be in those full EVs, the C40 and the XC40 recharge. Um, but if your experience, your first touch point with Volvo's electric vehicles are with these plug-in hybrids, which I think makes sense. Some people might not be willing to make the full commitment to an electric vehicle, and they might want to plug in um, to kind of ease their way in. But they're so, not going to be impressed. So I do want to kind of... Um, explore what you just said. So I'm assuming this is a very expensive vehicle because this is a full-size, what Volvo considers a luxury sedan, probably their flagship sedan, right? Yeah. So, so wh- what does it cost? So 70000 um, 70, So it's unlikely um, to be like the lead-in to the Volvo brand if, if you're... Yes. So I guess you're right. Yeah. So, but but I but what you're saying I think is very valid because like what if you had what if your lead-in was like this the the XC40 and you're like oh I really liked my experience with this plug-in um, EV that I have from Volvo I'm gonna buy their best car and then you get here and you're like why is this taking five times as long to charge 
I think that that is probably that's definitely an optics problem for sure. Like it, it seriously, it took like six hours or something to to oh. try. It, like it was insane to get it to a hundred percent. It was. He, it seemed impossible on a on a level two charger. Even if you hadn't been in any other Volvo, if you yeah. bought their like flagship sedan, the and mm-hmm. their flagship sedan took longer to charge than other less expensive models they had. That is mm-hmm. a problem too. I agree. Now, the rest of the vehicle um, is fairly impressive. I think design-wise, there's something about the sedan that really that really hits. Like, I don't know how else to say here. People really liked it. Everyone I, I, I picked up or dropped off, everyone I hung out with, was like, that's a really classy, almost like timeless design. Yeah, it's definitely handsome. And the cabin was also pretty handsome as well. But there is a significant difference to how Volvo approaches luxury compared to other automakers. Now, you'll remember that uh, I was in a Genesis GV60. That is a completely different class of vehicle. It is an electric vehicle. It's a little kind of like a hatchback or something like that or an SUV. But when you look at the Genesis products and how they approach luxury, their approach is that this can be completely customized to your liking. If you want to change the ambient lighting, if you want to change the the infotainment like uh, interface, if you want to change this or that, it's totally totally possible there's a bajillion drive modes including like a custom one all of that that's how genesis and other automakers do it they want you to have the most bespoke customized experience that you can get volvo takes a completely opposite approach my vehicle had as far as i can tell no drive modes it has one normal like like you can change the the way the powertrain operates which is like use only electric power now or save it or hybrid um, which I think is standard for all plug-in vehicles, but there was like no s- super sport mode, right? There's no um, eco mode. There's no, um, you know, fancy transmission feel. Does it dynamically adjust any parameters as you're driving, or is it like always the same? It's always the same. Um, and that's not to say that the car was boring to drive. It was very good to drive. But to me, it's like this: this is our way of of interpreting luxury, and you're gonna deal with it. You're gonna like it, and that's it. You're not going to customize the the gauge cluster. You're not going to customize that infotainment system, which is now powered by Google and um, also feels surprisingly um, limited in in terms of what it can do. So, I'm I was caught off guard, having gone from a couple of different luxury vehicles as to how how Volvo's okay with this. You know what I mean? Well, I would. You know, it's it's is is luxury in you being able to get into a car and go. Or is luxury you being into being able to get into a car that feels like your car? Let, that's a good point. I would think it's the latter. But I think that for Volvo, this is another very low-volume vehicle that we're talking yeah, about. And course. not just because it's a Volvo, but because it's a full-size sedan and it's and, a full-size luxury sedan. And a thing, plug-in hybrid. And a plug-in hybrid. So these are things no one are, no one's buying. There, there is a, I believe, non-plug-in version of this vehicle available. Is that I correct? don't think so. I don't think no, it's available anymore. Recharged? Yeah. No? Okay. Um, I'm not sure why Volvo sells this car in North America. I, it's, it's such Is it a, a flagship? Is it a flagship? No, I think the XC90 is their flagship and has been for quite a while. But this uh, is, the XC90 has the same traits. The, you can't do any configuration at all? No. Okay. Because the reason- There's the reason, a brake mode. That's the regen mode. The reason I and, ask is because, um- where was what were you go- saying? Sorry, I, I busted. Yeah, you, you kind of. I got, I got you off. You broke off my train of thought train. there. But what I was, where I was going with that is, Volvo has like been paring back 
the 90 series of cars for quite a while like there used to be a v90 wagon as well that's mm -hmm. gone completely there's still a cross-country version of that wagon and uh, there used to be a gas only version of the s90 that i was kind of referring to earlier that's gone now so they kind of have this one vehicle um and normally when that happens it's because like for a while the v90 was still available but it was like order only you couldn't get one in inventory somewhere so when that kind of approach is taken it's because no one's buying them it's they're very 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 low volume so why even have it you know if, if you're not going to be fully competitive against i'm assuming they think they're competitive against like bmw and audi really i would say volvo is more of like a lexus tier competitor um yeah and then you maybe look at even maybe even yeah, I guess so. Sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't call it as low as like an Acura or a Lincoln. No, well, Acura doesn't even offer a full size uh, sedan anymore. No. So like they've they've kind of fully withdrawn from that. But if if that's where you're aiming at, I mean, the LS is also extremely low volume. So I I don't know. It's it's like what's the point of this car? What do you think the point of this car is? I mean, I think this is a an executive level car. That's that's my feeling on it. Is an an executive class sedan. Um, which means it, it kind of fits in the seven five series um, kind of mold. Is that that's not high volume? High volume, as you mentioned, it is not sporty. It's not particularly cool. I'm not sure. It has a certain a certain aura of um, of specialness to it. But like I said, there's a huge difference here into as to how you feel about luxury. Is it? If it's not customized for you, it's not. It, it doesn't feel like luxury sometimes. So Volvo sold four fifteen hundred of these last year. That's not a lot at all. That's a very small amount. In you in the United States. In the United States, in the year before that, three thousand. That's I decent, think, I guess. But I think that that speaks to what I was saying about how the lineup is continually being whittled down. I mean, now you yep. just have the recharge, right? And and if you just have the recharge, that means that you have to pay top dollar because it's always the most expensive model. Now, I will go back to this powertrain. It does get 38 miles of all-electric range. Altogether, you get about 500 miles, which is pretty good. Um, and the, the 455 horsepower, it feels really good. This is a car that feels eager to go when you put your foot into it, and I really like that. Um, and that was among the, the highlights of the powertrain. If it could charge faster, I'd be happy. If um, the, the infotainment system was a little less limited, I'd be happy, too. Um, it doesn't even have, you know, like Android Auto. Um, right now, it finally got Apple CarPlay. But it's so hilarious something. to me that it has Google Android Automotive OS, but does not have Android Auto. That is right. They so expect odd. you to log in and use your own data connection with your phone, with your car, and not your your device. They and just... even the Android Automotive OS implementation that Volvo is using is missing features and apps that you would find on Android Auto. Like there's no Waze, for example. You yeah, know, it's like it's it's a weird piecemeal way to look at it. It's it's uncomfortable. I don't think it's appropriate. I, I don't think it's appropriate. I think Volvo is really they're struggling with direction. I think um, I don't know how they can do this because I don't know what else they're kind of like working on, um, and I don't know if they have people you know devoted to the electric vehicle kind of side of things that, that are focusing there. Um, but the the S ninety is a gorgeous vehicle, and the cabin was so nice. Like I can't get over how high end the cabin felt. Um, Every time you sit in it, it's 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 wonderful like that. But otherwise, it just doesn't feel like a fully thought out uh, plug-in hybrid and fully thought out luxury product because it's a little static in terms of what it offers you. I mean, I think you've just described the the perfect definition of a niche vehicle. 
That's made for one person who will like it? Yeah. Well, it's actually made for 1,495 people yes. who will like it. Who are those people? I mean, I don't if think there's anything people, wrong. If you're one of those people, I mean, we've had some people write in. That's who, true. Like, we had, when we did our, our, our episode on the uh, the BMW 6 Series Grand, Grand uh, GT, yep. which is, you know, I think the ultimate BMW 6 version of the BMW 6 Series, we had someone write in to tell us that they were a GT owner and they went through the process by which they had arrived at owning the GT, which is a vehicle they weren't even shopping for when they set out on their that particular purchase journey. And that was fascinating. Um, so if anyone out there is a Volvo 90 series owner and you can tell us why you chose this vehicle over other options at a similar price point, we would love to hear from you. But I think I'm misinterpreting myself. I, I'm 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 not explaining myself properly because I'm not saying the car is bad. No, I, don't I think know, there's but... a problem with buying this car. I think it actually has merits. It's it's cool. It's in its own way. But those but... merits aren't necessarily yeah. better merits than the other merits that you would get for your same merit money. <laughs> yes, your same merit money, of course. <laughs> um, and, and it it seems like this is what they're doing across the lineup. It feels like when you get a Volvo, it doesn't even matter what if it's a '90 or '60s series. Um, it doesn't matter if it's an, a sedan or a crossover. It just feels like you're getting the same product um, no matter what. And I don't know if that's what they're going for. That does have its own appeal, but um, I'm not sure that goes to everybody. Like that, I don't I don't think everyone appreciates that. Well, there's some weird stuff going on at Volvo, too, because if you look at their um, – I'm trying to find the website right now. It keeps redirecting me to Canada, which is always annoying. But uh, <laughs> I'm at the international – series now but if you go at like look at like the s60 for example which is their mm -hmm. mid-size sedan they have um the, the trim levels that they have it's really hard to understand them they, <laughs> it goes like core plus and ultimate which are the three like you know like good better best in terms of yeah. luxury and then there's something called polestar engineered which sits right. at the top and is like 10 grand more than the most expensive one or 15 grand it's like a huge amount of money i think these ones get like 15 more horsepower and those adjustable suspension the, that adjustable suspension the manually so adjustable suspension yeah. that you have to get out of your car and actually do oh my goodness yeah. it's like if i'm paying that much money for a car especially a luxury car you don't want to have to do something that absolutely no one else in your segment is asking you to do that's <laughs> yeah, the craziest absolutely. thing but I, i'm trying to find the exact price volvo is making it very difficult for me to um, actually find the pricing on this. But uh, let me build, build it up here. Mm -hmm. This is the S60, not the S90 that I'm driving. Yeah, this is yep. the S60. This is, I wanted Because you were talking about how they're making weird choices. So I wanted to kind of, if you go to the all-wheel drive, is that going to give me the, what's well, not even letting me, I have to buy the recharge. See, this is <laughs> this is already a hassle. Yeah. To get to the this insane model that I want to talk about, I have to get the recharge. Okay, here we go. So, what have you done? I'm Polestar engine. The Polestar engineered model. So the base, yeah. the base Volvo S60 is fifty two grand. Okay. The ultimate model is five thousand more than that. But if yeah, you okay. want the Polestar engineered model, it is seventeen thousand dollars more. <laughs> so yeah, you're almost at S90 territory now. So you can have <laughs> the most the most comfortable S60 is fifty seven thousand dollars. Yeah. But the Polestar engineered is seventy seven thousand or sixty sixty seven or sixty eight thousand dollars. Wow. Sixty eight thousand dollars US. How much is a new M three or an M two? Like yeah, you're not far off. It's 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 kind of wild. Yeah, 
I don't know. Volvo's scaring me now because you've got a company with with a history, with heritage, with with a few good ideas, um, and uh, and a good powertrain here. Sure. And great design, but no one's going to see it. It's exactly you know? the same. This is so 455 horsepower and 523 pound-feet of torque. It's the same drivetrain that you would find in the that you had in your S90, just in a somewhat yep. smaller vehicle. Yep. Like I said, they're they're offering the same experience across their whole lineup. But I can get that same drivetrain in the ultimate version of the car. Yeah. That is literally one third the cost from an <laughs> options perspective. Yeah. Thanks, Volvo. You're you're making our job. It's very way, confusing. Way I, more confusing. If you for bought sure. a Polestar engineered for, from the 2022 model year, I would also love to hear from you because. And that's interesting too. That has its own interest level, right? Like that's cool in a way. Is it though? Like kind of. Who's buying? Like, is anyone buying that car? No. I don't think so. Because the the previous Polestars were not that expensive. They were expensive for a Volvo, but they weren't like. You but they were low. They were like. I'm going to say low volume, but it's like even more lower volume. Than yeah, they were like future. limited examples and stuff <laughs> for sure. And they weren't they weren't really what you would call a hardcore performance car, but they were interesting. And they were interesting without being like a $17,000 option, right? So And without being like weird, I don't know. Well, like, they were pretty weird. No, sorry. They're, not, they're interesting without being like obnoxious about it. I guess so. I guess so. It was kind of um, it was kind of like a mini M, I guess you could say. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was cool. I, I thought it was neat in that way. Like when you saw Polestar, it was a rare sighting. It was kind of like seeing an Alpina to me. Yeah, like, it was like if you're a, if you're a hardcore Volvo fan, it made yeah. sense to get the Polestar. But now it doesn't make any sense at all to get the Polestar. Like there's no there's no world where you pay that much money for that car and you're like this was a good decision. <laughs> and not to mention the branding issue of having a Polestar trim of a Volvo. And then having an entire other brand ah, called Polestar. But they get around this by saying it's now Polestar Engineered, which indi- which like suggests <laughs> which suggests that the Polestar team worked on your car or something, right? So you're saying that the, all the guys making those uh, all the girl, guys and girls making those electric cars at Polestar took some time off of their day to go and work on a on an S60. That's right. The one That's- or two or three S60s they sold this year. They yeah. had time to do that on their lunch breaks. Yeah. It's like a passion project for Polestar engineers. Yeah. And next thing we'll hear, it's like a skunk works, right? Like it's a very, a very important uh, secret team that they've Super got working secret on. Polestar engineered. Now it's $25,000. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, that's all I want to say about the Polestar. It was, uh, it was an, it was an, I'm int- uh, sorry about the Volvo. It was an interesting experience, but like I, I struggled a lot with trying to visualize the buyer um and what they what kind of things they're into if they're like like that they just want whatever volvo sells them they'll be okay with not driving not having drive modes or customizability or or an infotainment system that's super good like they're (laughs) okay because they used to have all of those things i know it wasn't even that long ago where they had all these it was like probably three years like do you remember the log the the drivetrain weird aluminum log yeah i remember that Maybe I mean, we made too much fun of them. Maybe they, were they this fully was... committed to their weirdness, and now they're just like, "Nah, Ben and Sammy said some things, <laughs> and uh, we're going back to the plain vanilla." It's crazy to me that I actually kind of miss the old 
uh, infotainment system, the census. Oh man, but that was the one where it had drop down menus and cycle yeah. menus and pull up. This menus. doesn't have those, and those features are no longer available for me to change. From the, from, <laughs> the you thing know about I mean? census was also it had a font that made me feel like I was 15 years older than I actually was because it was so tiny, and I'd have to. Do I need reading glasses? It needed like an on-screen magnifying glass. That's what Seriously, it like you know, like in Windows when you accidentally turn on the magnifier feature, <laughs> yeah. and then you're like, I can't do anything with this. That that would have been helpful for for census. For sure, that's all they needed to do this whole time. Instead, they screwed it up with the go- with the Google stuff. I wonder how many Volvo uh, enterprising Volvo dealers sold like a a stick-on magnifying glass, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. a rectangle. Like our one. old Game Boys. Yeah, like, yes. where, like where they're like, oh, remember you want your Game Boy to look super big and yeah. That's good, what I want. Good times. We could have done that. We could have made so much money if we made that. We could have sold that to the 1,500 people a year who are buying the S90. But sure. then you wouldn't be able to touch the screen with this big thing. We have to figure it oh, out. Oh, man, anyway. I didn't even think about that. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? If they didn't read the fine print before they bought the magnifier, I mean, you can touch it or you can see it. Those are your choices. Those are your choices. Absolutely. Um, that's it for me, though. I don't have, I don't want to talk about this car anymore. Well, I'm, if you I'm want, burnt if, out on the S90. If people... Who are listening, if, if the listeners out there want to talk about the S90 or they want to tell us uh, stuff that's completely unrelated to the S90, there's a lot of ways you can do that. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at um, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form. You fill that out. You click submit. It goes right to our inbox. We read everything. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, we also, read everything. You, yeah. can, you can also reach out to us on social media. I'm at Hunting Benjamin on Instagram. Sammy prefers the cesspool that is Twitter. He is at Sammy underscore hot, like you're laughing. I don't know why you you, you shouldn't call it a cesspool, especially if our audience is on it. it it's it's only a are cesspool. Are you implying until... that our audience is on it? That's because what I don't you're know saying. if they are. <laughs> That's what you're saying, I think. I'm saying if you're in a hostage situation and your only way to reach out is Twitter, then this is how you do it. But Then you can reach out to me as well. Yeah. The old-fashioned way <laughs> Sammy's... The Sammy 24-hour response team. We'll get back to you in a timely manner. Um, the, the, there's one more way you can reach out to us. It's the old school email way, benjamin at benjaminhunting.com. And while you're over at our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, you can see all of our previous episodes. And you can also subscribe to our podcast using a bunch of buttons at the top that correspond to your podcast client. And yeah. if you don't see your podcast client there, um, don't worry about it. We're working on it, you but you can also <laughs> you can also just search for our podcast in your podcast client, and I'm sure that's easier. You probably don't want to go to too many websites a day, right? Yeah, so many buttons. I mean, who has the time? Um, Sammy, what, what are you going to be talking about next week? Next week, I'm going to be talking to you about um, a very pleasant drive or a number of road trips that I'm going to be doing in the Porsche Taycan. Okay. I'm going to be doing a lot of road trips in a Porsche Taycan, so many that uh, I get to ch- test out the the hopefully I'll test out the really high speed charging infrastructure that's out there. I'm going to be talking about something on the opposite end of the spectrum. It is the Cadillac CT5V Blackwing with a manual transmission. So uh, yeah, it's been whew, a decade since Cadillac's built a V8 with a manual. So I'm pretty excited to uh, to get behind the wheel. And you're exactly the kind of guy to drive that because you've got yourself a CTSV with a Blackwing with a with a manual transmission. So there's going to be some comparisons, won't there? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the cars are 20 years apart, but... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, well, thank Perfect. you. Perfect. Thank you for listening, everybody. See ya.